It takes more than using unlimited vacation in microdoses to avoid meetings to be a great engineer. <laughs> this is episode 388 of the Soft Skills Engineering Podcast, and I'm your host, Jameson Dance. I'm your host, Dave Smith. And Dave, I have 20 minutes of vacation scheduled, so you'll have to do the rest <laughs> of the podcast without me. Sorry. Oh. I'll be available by email in case of emergencies. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking about someone's calendar who's peppered PTO, midday yeah, PTO. out of office PTO. 20 minutes at a time. <laughs> <laughs> if Actually, you could really optimize that by taking the first three minutes and the last three minutes of every hour as PTO oh, to prevent yeah. calendaring systems from ever showing you as available. Okay. It's perfect. <laughs> yeah. There, some people see unlimited vacation as a benefit and others see it as a challenge <laughs> yeah <laughs> how far can i push this system exactly it's like my my son always tells me about unlimited resource hacks on minecraft it's like the yeah. same thing but with pto policy <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you push this All hr right. person in just the right direction and place them next to a villager <laughs> you'll get unlimited pto <laughs> If you pause work at this moment, it causes a buffer overflow, which then <laughs> grants you 8,000 days of PTO in a year. <laughs> okay, you want me to thank our patrons? You have to, you have to scoot on your butt, perfectly timed. Okay. I think there's like a Super Mario speedrunning thing yes. or something. All right. Yes, I do want you to thank our patrons. Okay, weekly shout outs today go to Chase W. Norton, typehero.dev, never is just... Wait, never is not just a crater on Mars with a flamingo emoji. I like chicken. I like liver. Meow mix. Meow mix. Please deliver. Trash Panda. TheComputerScienceBook.com. Valentin at Datafold. Santa Hope. Our Kent. C. Dodds. Jenny Kim. Owen Shardle. Craig Motlin. The Socastic Parrot. Patron.com. We're hiring. Ira Chan. Monkey Face Emoji. Jonathan King. Web Tau. Awesome. End to End Testing. Will Angel. Ragnar. Travis. Braden Keynes. John Grant. The Unsettling Nature of Not Knowing. And Nick Cantor. If you'd like to join this illustrious crew. Go to softskills.audio and click the support us on Patreon button where you can enter any dollar amount to get access to our Slack community and a sufficiently high dollar amount that makes Jameson's eyes go super big and it makes his eyebrows go up to almost touch his hairline. Then we'll say your name <laughs> on the show every week. If you count hairline as hair, then my eyebrows are already touching my hair, cause I, <laughs> my hairline, because I haven't gotten a haircut in a long time. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. We do appreciate the support. Makes us feel good. Makes us keep going. That's true. Makes your life better. Dave, shall I read our first question? I was hoping you would. Okay. This is from an anonymous listener who says, Hey guys, love the show. Not sure if it's really a question or more of a confession. I'm an individual contributor at a software company with a few thousand employees. A lot of professional books and training courses I've encountered over the years talk about the importance of positively acknowledging your employees or reports or team members when they do a good job. Most of them say that this sort of praise and other immaterial motivation is more important than material motivation, bonuses or raises. More and more, my higher-ups have started trying to motivate us with public pats on the back for individuals and teams. They were never generous with material motivation to begin with. Honestly, I find these pats on the back grating. I don't need to be told, good job, kiddo, to actually work hard. To be blunt, I want a raise and bonuses, not empty words. But material recognition is all red tape and budget constraints these days, so I don't actually expect much. The issue 
is that the immaterial motivation just reminds me of what is just out of reach, and thus demotivates me. Is there any good way to express these frustrations to my manager without sounding like a materialistic, greedy expletive? (laughs) Which I suppose I am, but I'm tired of feeling like one. (laughs) How can I be a greedy expletive without feeling like one? (laughs) We're really getting to the heart of the issue here. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Meta about it. Huh. I have I've vaguely heard this same stuff and I'm sure someone at some point has linked some research that I haven't looked at and it's probably failed to replicate like all social psychology stuff but I I've I have this swirling around my head too that like people financial rewards don't directly motivate people to do better in the stuff that they test in these papers if you're like a like, freshman in a psychology like course cutting out in, more shapes in California paper. or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but if we give you $50, will you cut out twice as many stars? <laughs> this definitely translates to the real world. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there is something to this in that people who are really driven by a, a mission and a purpose often accomplish great things that folks who, who would like to work harder to earn more money don't. But if it does feel like there's some cold calculus going on here of I will I will with each pat on the back, this is worth a thousand dollars. This is a thousand dollars I don't have to pay you. Mm-hmm. So so they're like, I don't know. Yeah, they're, they're, it, it feels weird. The pat on the back feels weird, but I'll tell you, I find myself able to compliment my team and I don't it, Boy, how do I say this without sounding like a schmuck? But let me just go let me just go with the schmuck version. When I compliment my team members, it is from a genuine place of being impressed with their work as a practitioner of their craft. I look at that and I say, "Wow, that was a really hard problem to solve and you did it. Man, I am impressed. That is so cool." That's the kind of compliment I give. But I imagine this per- this question asker is talking more about like, you know, the the HR manager who comes by and says, "Hey, good job everybody." You know? Yeah. There's a there's a slide deck and there's a time to recognize our official pat on the back yes. extra mile recipients yeah. and it's the list of names. They say, yeah. "Good job these people." Yeah. Uh, Your contributions have been noted. So, I don't know. I'm I I totally understand the feeling of being complimented what is kind of like an empty compliment like you don't even know why this is a big deal like great job with that code you did yeah that you coded <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> i'm like okay you don't even know whatever but but there really are i think really valuable things you can say and do to recognize people on your teams that don't involve giving them money like for example sharing some of the results of their work like hey because you fixed that bug we were able to you know, close new business or bring back a customer or help someone solve a problem that they weren't able to solve before you fixed it. You know, all kinds of really cool things. And I think that to me, that stuff is motivating. You know, it's not as motivating as a thousand dollar check, but hey, it's pretty good. (laughs) I mean, I think if you felt fairly paid, it probably wouldn't feel as patronizing to to the question asker. I so I, right. I think if you feel like you deserve more money than you're getting, you should try to address that 
because it's not going to get better on its own, probably. With salaries, it's very much the squeaky wheel gets the grease. Mm -hmm. As I was saying that phrase, I had a brief moment of panic where I thought, wait, is this actually a phrase? I don't know why. It just like <laughs> left my mind. Wait, did, did I just make that up? Is it, I thought it was the squeaky grease not. gets the wheel, but <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> the squeaky candle <laughs> gets the <laughs> wax. What is it? <laughs> So I, I do think you should bring up to your manager, I feel underpaid and I would like a raise. And there's a a vast body of knowledge of how to go about that. But I, I don't think you necessarily need to say, it feels like you're trying to say, good job, kiddo, instead of pay me money. Because mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to work. <laughs> like yeah. I don't know. You're not going to make them feel guilty and suddenly come to a realization of, oh, you're right. We have been trying to manipulate this chink in your psychological armor right <laughs> we've we've been called out yeah you're right you ah uh, you caught us oh guess now we'll, by the we'll rules start of the giving game you money now <laughs> yeah <laughs> yep them's the rules you could fight fire with fire and start giving compliments back to them like ah oh. like instead of doing your job yeah <laughs> <laughs> instead of jira tickets just yeah, yeah. Well, I was going to fix this bug this week, but instead I spent the week writing a hollow compliment for my director. Thank you, director, for giving me compliments instead of paying me money. We laugh, but I mean, I guess it is a strategy some people use to ingratiate themselves with their superiors by sucking up. So maybe you could do that. (laughs) Yeah, I, I think I would... Despite all the red tape and budget constraints, if you feel underpaid, you should still bring it up because maybe there's something they can do and maybe not. And it would be good to know that. It could be that they're they're not trying to pinch pennies by giving you compliments, but they're trying to say, look, we don't have the budget for raises. What can we do despite that? So it's more like they're not like stealing from you directly to... to fund their yachts they're they're like uh their their yacht they've emptied their yacht accounts <laughs> i don't know i think i switched directions midway through that statement <laughs> the point is i can see how it feels patronizing you should ask for a raise the answer still might be no but i don't think you need to bring up saying the 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 issue of like these compliments feel hollow to me while you don't give me money yeah, in other words, you can decouple the two facts. I'm underpaid and these compliments feel like they are compensating for the fact that I'm underpaid. They're compensating yeah. for a lack of compensation, which is kind of meta. Yeah, I agree with you, Jameson. I think as long as you're underpaid or feel like you're not paid well, you there's like a whole litany of things that companies can do that will make you mad. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, you brought brought in lunch for everybody? You know, like... Yeah. <laughs> or... Oh, you took an Uber to the office today yeah. and had the company pay for it? Yeah, exactly. Like Funny how there's budget for that. Yeah. <laughs> and like all these things, so many things will irritate you. Like we pay for someone to come water the plants in our office, but we don't pay our engineers at reasonable market rate. Anyway, yeah. so so really this is just one example of many. So I, I agree with you, Jameson, that we ought to separate ought to separate these two problems. The problem of I get hollow compliments and I and I don't get paid well. Because guess what? If you get paid really, really well and make a ton of money and you're super happy about it, 
and you get a hollow compliment, you're like, thanks. (laughs) 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 The extra mile hat privilege this week, you know, that's fine. I'll wear it. Wear it with pride. I showed up in a PowerPoint slide. They gave me this cheesy stocking cap with a gold star on it. Well, have we answered the question? Yeah, it's like very simple. Just go get a raise. Problem solved. Yeah. Like, go get why a raise. didn't you already do Duh. that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, I've got one more solution you could try, which is you need to guide the compliment givers to give more meaningful praise. The praise feels hollow, but what if they were so good at it that it didn't feel hollow? It was genuinely motivating. This could potentially solve your problem as well. Okay. Like, what are the kind of things they would need to do or say? I can't possibly go into all that. Now, we've got another question to answer. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Good point. (laughs) Good luck. (laughs) All right. Dave, do you want to read our next question? I do. And and I just want to say, you answer questions good. Thank you. And I will not be giving you the raise you asked for. (laughs) (laughs) consider this your raise yeah (laughs) consider this hollow compliment your raise (laughs) okay dave you're you're pretty all right (laughs) pretty all right award of the year okay this question comes from an anonymous listener who says i'm a principal engineer working with two teams of developers who own a product domain that is being rewritten on an aggressive schedule we've increased headcount over the past year but We've started having friction with some of the new hires. It's clear that they want more input into the patterns and coding styles used by the teams that were established prior to them joining. Unfortunately, this seems to come up in PRs rather than discussions and leads to pushback from me and the tech leads on the teams. This has led to our engineering manager commenting that they're getting complaints about us being too restrictive and developer happiness being impacted. While I don't want any of the developers to be unhappy, I worry that the engineering manager is risking hurting the team as a whole by focusing on the happiness of one or two new hires. The tech leads are also starting to worry about what about what they are allowed to comment on in PRs. Help! How do I keep the devs from feeling underappreciated, the tech leads feeling empowered to lead, and ensure that the code base stays consistent between repositories so all developers can move between services without feeling lost? Ooh, good question. This is a great soft skills question. That's exactly what I was thinking. Like, this question is awesome. Yeah, it is. It's it's like the perfect platonic ideal of it's not a technical problem. I mean, it's it's people and feelings and communication. And it's unlikely that you will add two random people to a team and have them have exactly the same technical opinions and preferences as what is already manifest in the team. 100%. And I just want to say I love this principal engineer. This is someone who really feels a strong sense of ownership to say, look, I'm trying to make the engineering managers happy, the tech leads happy, the new hires happy, the existing developers happy, and have a clean code base. Man, that's just awesome. I wish every principal engineer had this kind of level of of care, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you do? Well, because you're a principal engineer, you've reached the top of the chart, so there's no sense in really solving any problems anymore because you're not going to get promoted. So, I don't know, maybe nothing? (laughs) (laughs) Have you tried giving empty compliments? (laughs) You're so good at complaining about our coding style. Yeah, I I can see both sides, certainly. When you are new to a place, you're both experiencing the, the 
you've like jumped into a new ecosystem and it is for sure different from your previous ecosystems. And, Mm -hmm. and so there'll be stuff that seems weird and some of that stuff will seem weird and bad and some of it will be weird and you just don't understand it, but it'll, it's neutral. And there's some stuff that seems weird and bad. That's actually good for an important reason. And and you just have all this past knowledge you're trying to apply to a new situation without knowing the new situation super well. But you want to feel like you are effective and impactful and also that you have ownership, that you're not just doing the task someone tells you to do, but you can like do the meta work of making it easier to do the work and making the work overall better. So that that makes a lot of sense. And also, boy, does it suck when someone joins and they say, hey, <laughs> we got to do this. We can't do this the same way. We got to do this differently. And then like, it's going to be years of migration and <laughs> yeah, like, yeah you have this preference it will cost us six months to accommodate your preference right how many millions of dollars should we expend in engineering labor and opportunity cost yeah to yeah format our code a little differently yeah and my answer many many millions (laughs) as many as it takes baby (laughs) well that would have been true in a zero interest rate environment. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> that would have been true for a brief 20-year period. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, developer happiness was like this magical talisman you could wave in front of people. And it just it uh, of course it was good. Like I can hear this. The engineering manager is saying developer happiness is being impacted. And we cannot we cannot have developer no. happiness impacted. It's our most important business metric. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I've worked at one company that had, had hit the last goal on this principal engineers list, which is ensuring the code base stays consistent so that all developers can me- move between services. I honestly don't know how they did it, but I I was struck because I worked on I worked on like two or three different teams over the course of 4 years and saw probably, I don't know, 15 or 20 repositories in that time. And even when I was reading other teams' code, I was struck by how consistent the styles were. Very similar style, very similar processes, like deployment processes, code review processes, very similar set of libraries that were you know, used versus not used, just occasional deviation here and there. It was very impressive. And the only thing I thought that I could attribute that to was, well, two things. One was very clear documentation that had been written that everyone could point to like they were 10 commandments etched in stone you know where it's like look here's our here is our style you don't you have a problem with that style take it up with the style guide authors you know and so you could just link to it and number two very aggressive linting and code formatting rules that were Actually, not that aggressive. I'll just say moderately aggressive code formatting and code style rules that were imposed on all code at code review time through automatic tooling. You know, things that would call out like a a bot would auto comment on your code to say, hey, this doesn't conform to XYZ. But typically those weren't so much formatting as they were things like security vulnerabilities that were common problems in, in this language, things like that. So I would say that it was actually the documentation the style guide docs that really governed the consistency. That feels like if you're already in that state, it keeps going. But yeah. if in this case, they're rewriting some software on an aggressive schedule, I'm assuming they don't have an exhaustive style guide 
yeah. and it doesn't sound like they have time to just pause and, and write one up real quick. You well, know? you know who ha- who does have time? It's these de- these new developers that are making all the noise. It's like, here, re- redirect that energy to writing a style guide and then go through the process of building consensus and getting everyone to agree to it. And if honestly, if a developer's not willing to put that kind of effort into it, then they probably haven't earned the privilege of complaining about the code style. Yeah. It's a little harsh, but it's like, how much effort are you willing to put in, you know? I know that I have been, I've definitely begun to care less about this. <laughs> I mean, well, I not begun. Have to. I care less about this <laughs> the longer I work in software. But by this, I mean what the specific patterns are. But I care about a a minimum set of or minimum bar of consistency. I think a overly rigid insistence on consistency could be harmful. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's worth the trade-offs at scale though. I don't know. But I care a lot more that you're trying to be consistent than what you're trying to be consistent with, I think. What is my point? I guess I'm just better than you. That's my point. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, why am I even saying this? I don't know. Uh, (laughs) I mean, it it is. I I, kind of felt compelled to say the same thing as you. Tell them all to be like me. (laughs) Why don't you be more like me? (laughs) I... I kind of felt where you were going there because I kind of felt the same way. Like I was thinking, yeah, I also don't care about what the specific technologies or language or style is. I just care about the consistency. And and it occurred to me like, yeah, that's actually what the question asker is saying as well. Like there's no, this isn't like a technology X versus technology Y or pattern X versus pattern Y. It's just like, let's pick one. And maybe I'm reading that wrong. Let's see. I, I think the point about feedback in PR discussions is interesting because... On the one hand, you could say part of the goal of code review is to have those discussions. So it's it's working, right? Like that conversation is being had. Someone saw this change and said, hey, maybe don't do it this way, do it this other way. And then people start talking about it. But on the other hand, that's an expensive time to enforce guidelines. Yeah. If you're saying you need to change your code or your architecture decisions to look like this, it's it's already done in in a different way. I know. It's so wasteful, right? It's like here we yeah, have a working yeah. solution that's about to produce value, but we're going to hold that up to rework it. Now, like in in some cases that makes sense, but if the business hasn't already committed to a a consistent style or set of approved patterns or a linting rule set, then this really isn't the time to do that. It's almost like a hostage negotiation like, yeah, I'm going to shoot this yeah. PR. If you don't, yeah. <laughs> you know, give in to my demands. Yeah. Approve the PR or the feature ships late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so this what is why I say you really need to be able to point to a document. And and honestly, the principal engineer in this case should probably be the person who spearheads creating that document. You know, you've th- it really will solve almost all of these problems, especially if you give everyone a chance to have their input. And especially if you tell people like, hey, look, we're going to do this because we we want to optimize for the flow of our organization. And this is going to mean that some people might not get their preferences and others will. And some people you know, might get some of the preferences they want and other preferences that they also want won't be granted. But in the interest of a team that is rowing together in this metaphorical boat, we are going to pin down a set of concrete 
patterns that we will and will not allow. And then anytime there's a dispute about it, the PR is not the time to do that dispute. The PR, like you can reject a PR if it doesn't follow the documented guidelines, but you can't invent new guidelines in a PR. It's like totally the wrong vehicle. Yeah. I think I agree with you that that if you, I, I partially agree with you. I agree with your point that the PR is, a, is the wrong vehicle for it. Sometimes you, you might not notice you're doing things a different way and then it's kind of like a backstop. But if you if you know, like, I, I, I think we should write code this way, so I will do it in the PR. And, and you know that there's kind of a culture of wanting to be consistent that that does feel less effective. And mm-hmm. I agree that that's a, that's a thing that a principal engineer should be able to kind of like enforce in the team. It's very technical. It's, it's like, yeah, rowing together. Like you said, I'm just repeating what you said. And, and so you can say like, (laughs) (laughs) don't do this in a PR. You could say it in a positive way by saying, Hey, if you want to, if you want to change how we do stuff, let's talk about it. Yeah. Let's talk about it first. That's, that's the way we make changes. Right. I, I do think there is a, there will always be stuff that isn't, documented that feels like a standard in in the code even if you have a document so i i do think a document can help but there will be cases that are not covered by the document so i think you can't point to the document as the the ultimate solution you still have to have a way to handle stuff that isn't covered by that but you actually do have some consensus on already and maybe that's like oh good news you you found a hole we fixed the hole yeah but not in the PR. We'll fix it later. Yeah, yeah. And just I'll just say, just having a document that covers a pretty broad set of the things that do come up regularly is almost, I believe, enough of a mechanism so that people know there's a pattern for getting team-wide consensus on things like, hey, this pattern is not allowed. You know, and so it almost gives them a like a route. To, to be able to get that, that change made organizationally in the right place. Whereas today, the only place that this comes up is in these PR reviews, because that's the only place it comes up. You know, But as soon as you have another place where the, it can take place, then hopefully it'll take some of the pressure off these PR reviews. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. You're channeling it in a more helpful direction. It only works if people know it exists and read it. Yep. It's definitely possible to have a style guide that no one reads and it is. Doesn't matter. It is. And I think that's the, the definition of success here is if people reference the style guide in like PRs and, and other places and say, oh, well, actually here, this is, we've already documented how to do this. Here it is. You know? Yeah. That, that, that's how you know it's working. Yeah. Go did a nice job of this. They have a style guide that's just a list of links and there's a drop like a, a link to like style guide thing number 31 comment formatting or whatever mm-hmm. and they took it even further like and go which i really like to say look actually our language has an opinion on certain style elements and every time you run it we're going to reformat your code whether you like it or not yeah that's kind of spread more through through other languages and i dearly miss it in any yeah. environment that doesn't have it yeah it's a really cool thing it just shuts down so many unhelpful conversations. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, if you have a problem with the style, you know where to fix it. Yeah. Well, tech leads feeling empowered to lead. Your tech leads should feel empowered to lead. And if there is a way 
If your tech leads are shutting stuff down in PRs because they don't want it to happen, I could see that causing frustration on the new devs. But if they have a, a positive direction to channel it, then yeah, it's not just like a slap on the wrist. No, it's like, well, here's here's what you can do if you want to change our practices to to meet this to to fit this pattern. This is a this is actually a really important point for a principal engineer. So in this situation, and in most principal engineering situations you're doing something a little bit different than just technical leadership. You are actually providing a framework that other leaders can operate in to direct the works of their teams. And so here you've got tech leads and engineering managers that you as a principal engineer are responsible to help coordinate on this. And there's a new hazard that comes up in when you move from directly leading engineers to then leading people who lead engineers. And that hazard is that you are going to provide policy for these leaders to enforce, and sometimes they're going to enforce it wrong. And that may be what's happening here is that your tech leads are doing things that are making your engineers unhappy. And you and when you find out what they're saying and doing, you're like, that's not what I meant. I wanted you to, you know, I wanted the policy to be more flexible than that or whatever. And and I've seen this, you know, I'm currently on a on an executive team and we see this once in a while where we we will come up with a policy, we will communicate it to the leaders in the company, and then we will find out that those leaders made a decision that we disagree with in like, you know, whatever it is, approving something or not approving something. And we go, oh, crap, we got to have a better conversation with that that leader so that they know how to run their organizations within the framework. But it's super meta. Like it really isn't, it's not just like, I'm going to tell you how to do your job, then you're going to do it. It's like, I'm going to tell you how to do a job, then you're going to tell someone else how to do a job, then they're going to do the job. You know, so it's like yeah. really complicated. And so it's worth spending a lot of time talking about this. And I and if I were this principal engineer, I would convene a meeting with the engineering managers and the tech leads. And I would sit down with them and say, hey guys, let's figure out what are the tenets that we think are important for our coding style that these new engineers are bringing up and state that the things that you think are important. Like I think developer happiness is important, but I think it's, it takes a backseat to consistency across repositories. Let's discuss, do you agree or disagree? You know, and start to get, this is how you build alignment. You know, you talk about these different ideas and you bring up the contentious points and you say, what's more important X or Y. And then you write all that down, put it in a document and you've got a good starting point for your coding style guide and you've got some fodder for a technical blog post <laughs> yes to do and some content marketing. put that in your promotion document oh sorry yep. you're a principal engineer you're done <laughs> i'm just kidding there right. are more there's more there's senior principal staff no not staff distinguished engineer distinguished yes and then there's the extinguished engineer after that preposterous <laughs> engineer <laughs> <laughs> the great and terrible <laughs> yes <laughs> the unprincipled <Behold>. engineer <laughs> dave smith yeah they start to feel like royal titles mm-hmm. the archduke may his, may his arm stretch ever longer over <laughs> the seas of clusters <laughs> i think we're done i think we've okay. answered it <laughs> i think so good luck <laughs> what should people do if they don't want their own questions answered if they don't want them answered <laughs> No, they do. What did, did I hear that right? I don't think so. I think I said if they <laughs> can't wait to listen back their to own one. questions answered. Oh, I mean, my mind heard just a wonderful version of that, which is what should people do if they don't want their questions answered? Well, good oh, news, like, nothing. You don't have to do anything. <laughs> it's really easy. <laughs>
But if you do want your questions answered, go to softskills.audio and click the ask a question button. We check that often, obsessively refreshing the answers, not the answers, the, the form fills. And thank you. Thank you so much to everyone who fills out that form. We love it. And if we've answered one of your questions and you would like to tell us what happened next, if you took our advice or didn't, we would love to hear about it. You know, we're, we're actually trying to build a training set now, but we don't know how to label our answers as good or bad until you come and tell us. <laughs> and then eventually we can replace ourselves with AI and make good on our promise to answer all the questions. Yeah, that's true. That would, we'd polish them off. Now I'm just imagining the, the soft skills audio, like chat GPT plugin. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if you could do that. Oh, okay. I know what I'm doing after the show. Answer in the style of soft skills engineering. All right. Well, we will catch you next week. Thanks for listening.